welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast, co-hosted by Abby Fearing, the Badass Breastfeeder, and Diane Cassidy, IBCLC. Today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Would you love a postnatal vitamin that can also support your healthy milk supply? Milky's Complete Postnatal Vitamin is a two-in-one supplement with vitamin D and vitamin B made especially for lactating women. With added fenugreek and fennel, this vitamin not only gives you what you need in your postpartum recovery, but can also support your milk supply. Head to BadassBreastfeedingPodcast.com for the link and use promo code BADASS for 10% off of everything at Fairhaven Health. Hey, welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. I'm Diane Cassidy, Lactation Consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And we are going to talk about badass postpartum depression. Or postpartum mood disorders, really, is kind of like what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because there's all kinds of things that can go on. Postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. I had a, a mixture. I had all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But it's, we are seeing more, it seems like anxiety seems to be more of the issue now than, than depression. But yeah. Um, either way, one of the reasons why we started, where we're talking about this, first of all, it's one of those topics that is not talked about enough. And I'm part of, I've actually co- started if you I don't even know how you put it with three other um three other women two being therapists and one being a doula postpartum doula we started a coalition here in Rochester for professionals but the that are working with mothers but the the idea behind it is to educate the rest of the population on Mm -hmm. how needed and how extreme this can be because it is like it is legitimately the statistics are that it is the most, the highest complication, the most common complication in pregnancy. It's not gestational diabetes. It's not hypertension. It's not prematurity. None of that stuff. It's postpartum depression is wow. the top complication of pregnancy. And it happens in one to, they're saying one out of seven, although that article about Serena that I just, you know, that we were talking about, mm-hmm. that said one out of five. I believe it. I think it's higher. Yeah. I mean, and that's I think the people that higher. actually, that actually report it. You know exactly. Report that's it? the thing. That's the thing is that the, all those statistics go by what people are reporting and people only know to report things when they first of all know how to get help and when they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of other people who are walking around that aren't reaching out for help because they don't know where to get it and or who are, who are suffering for, from postpartum mood disorders and don't really know awful you know yeah it is really it's really really hard it's Um, a really big problem and people you know are i think you're right that it is it is getting gaining a little more media attention now and there's um more resources out resources out there for for people than there have been in the past which is a wonderful thing it is but but yeah but we have to but there's a lot of work to be done now one of the problems that we see often is that mothers don't talk about it openly either, Mm -hmm. which, you know what? I don't, I don't blame moms and I have no problem talking about my issues because now I'm in a place where it's important to talk about it because I'm trying to help other people. But when you're going through it, when it's fresh, when, you know, even your baby's a year, you're feeling better, whatever, you know, you don't feel like you don't want to talk about it maybe, but there are so Mm -hmm. many women who go through this and then say, Nobody ever told me that this was an issue. And then I tried mm-hmm. to talk to my, my sister and my best friend and my cousin, and they all said they went through the same thing, and they never said anything about it. 
how come nobody told me that this is a thing that actually can yep. happen? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we just, we don't talk about it enough. No, and we talk about on this podcast, we talk mm-hmm. about all the time, we talk about all of the, the ways that um, parents are isolated these days, all of the misinformation, all of the lack of information, lack all of, of the lack of support. And no wonder, I mean, no wonder that the numbers are so high. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is something that somebody is struggling with, I mean, you are absolutely not in the minority. Oh, my God, no. No. Not not at all. But the other thing, too, is we have these extremes, you know, and yeah. it's it's a total spectrum, really. It's a total spectrum. Absolutely. But if you go into your doctor and you say, I'm really feeling, you know, like I'm just not bonding well or I'm really sad or I'm really weepy all the time, I mean... Half of the time, they'll say to you, do you feel like hurting your baby? And it's like, why does it have to go to that extreme? Right, right. Because this is, yeah, right. That's extreme. Mm -hmm. And that is not where most women are. No. So nobody wants to say this because nobody wants to think that they're, right. wants anybody to think they're a monster. Well, and we're so quick. I mean, because we're so quick here, too. I mean, we're so government heavy here. Right. I mean, there's so much intervention. So it's like, oh, my God, if I say this, are my kids going to get taken away? You know, and there's certain communities where, you know, I mean, I worked I worked for I worked with um, wards of the state. That was my as a social worker before um, I became a mom. I was a social worker for 15 years. I worked with wards of the state. Um, There's communities where like so many families are involved in DCFS and they have absolutely every right to feel like, well, I can't talk about that. They're going to take my kids too, mm-hmm. right? You know, and the, it, it, you know it's an absolutely valid concern. Oh my God, it's terrible. So nobody wants to say anything. So no one's going to say anything. I'm not going to take my baby away because I'm, you know, struggling. And and the fact that you're, I mean, if no, if somebody, I I would I would have to say that if somebody has a baby in this you know day and time right now, um. And they don't suffer from some sort of postpartum depression or anxiety or some sort of mood thing. I mean, that's rare. It's got to be rare. It's got to be very rare to not have something. It is just so. And and then when you look at, so some of this, I just did a a presentation on this for gold um, a couple of months ago, gold Uh lactation. And some of the big things that you see, like you can really, this is one of the things that irritates me so much. You can, you know, you can red flag certain people. So if the doctors are in LBs and midwives, whoever, are seeing this mother prenatally, she's got a history of depression or anxiety. She's got a history of a mood disorder. She's been in therapy in her past or she's been mm-hmm. on medication and maybe went off of it for pregnancy mm-hmm. for depression. Like that is a huge red flag that this woman needs to be watched afterwards. Right. right. To make sure that she is transitioning well. That doesn't happen. Right. And don't, and and please don't the first day she comes into the office be like, do you feel like hurting your baby? Like, (laughs) you know, come on, you know, we can support people a little bit better than this, I think. But the training, first of all, and the training with, for medical professionals is not there. No. That is not there for for them, for, for medical professionals to be dealing with a lot of this postpartum mood disorder stuff. They just don't have it. So a couple of things that happened recently. So for me, I I saw this mommy yesterday. We were talking about this because she openly said, and her baby's a month and um, struggling with breastfeeding. And 
she had said, um, she, you know, said I really was struggling a lot with postpartum a few weeks ago. And she, she was really good. Cause she's like, I, I finally, I went to my OB because that's the first step you'd take. Like you, you know, most people yeah. will just kind of go to their OB if they're not used right. to it, you know? And it was her husband's urging. Cause she said she got to the point where she went to the grocery store and called her husband and said, I don't want to come home. And Aww. he was like, I think you need to call your doctor at this point yeah. because a lot of times it is the support people that's that see that you're just not the same you know yeah that it's, they know it's, they're the ones yeah that so she went to her she called the doctor she went to her ob's office and she goes and i wasn't sure because it was only like two weeks in and i wasn't sure maybe it was just baby blues and i just you know wasn't needed to adjust she goes i didn't know if do i really have a problem or do i you know and the doctor said oh here let me write you a script gave her a script for a medication and then said, you're, you know, see ya, come back for your six week appointment. And I'm like, all right, there's so much stuff wrong with this. Okay. Can we have like a few steps in between there? She was like, she barely looked me in the eye. She didn't ask about anything. And she was just like, here, take this medication. And she goes, and I go, but this is also a medication that First of all, for antidepressants or any kind of mood stabilizer, they don't work automatically. So if this was somebody that really needed some kind of stability in her life, that magic pill is not going to do it in 24 hours. Right, right. She's going to have a good couple months before she's, if, if, if in fact that's the right medication for her. Right. She could, it could totally like not work out for her and she'd have to try a different one. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she should have had, okay, start this, you know come back in a couple of days, come back in a week, whatever. She made her six week appointment and then they called and canceled it because for some reason and told her that she needed to reschedule it. So oh. now she's on this medication and she's like, she goes, you know what? I started feeling better a couple of days after she even gave me that prescription, which makes me think maybe it wasn't even a true like postpartum depression thing. Maybe it was just me just adjusting because mm-hmm. I know that medicine wasn't working yet. So, but I don't know how oh. to get off it now. So now what do yeah. I do? And I'm like, I don't even know what to tell you for that because this is ridiculous. They should have never, she didn't even talk to her. Like it just, so, and she was one who, like I said, she had very, you know, a lot of breastfeeding problems, a crazy birth story where, you know, the baby was born, everything, and she's in the hospital and the baby had breathing issues because he had fluid in his lungs they came to her room, the hospital room, a few hours after the baby was born and told her that, said that they needed to take the baby to the special care unit, came and took the baby while she was in the bathroom. Oh, my God. She came out of the bathroom and the baby was gone. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She goes, my husband's standing there like, what just happened? Like, Are you serious? She goes, yeah. They were like, we have to take him. Oh, that is so disgusting. Isn't it, though? And then this, God, she goes to her OB. So, pa- so, of course, I'm like, what OB is this? They're going on my list, blah, blah, blah. You know, because I was yeah. just, like, freaking out about it. But, you know, these are these are where our mothers are left. You know, you, you send them in. They're pregnant. They're being seen every week. Sometimes a couple times a week, depending on where you are in your pregnancy mm-hmm. and what's going on in your pregnancy. You're being thrown into classes and... You're on all these little mom groups or whatever. And mm-hmm. then you have their, your baby and the hospital's like, have fun. See you later. 
come back in six weeks and nobody checks in with you to see how you're doing. Like, this is crazy. Right. And you just, you just, you have this baby. They send you home with this baby. You don't even know who you are. Right. And then they look at your history and then there's nobody going on with you. No. Yep. And then there's, yeah. And then you're all by yourself. Uh huh. Oh, it's so scary. And like, you know, yeah, I mean, no wonder things get so out of hand for people. Mm. You know, and, and sometimes you do have mothers. I, I had a mom today. Actually, I do run a, um, I co-facilitate a postpartum mood disorder support group a couple mm. times a month, and it's on Wednesdays. So the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. And we were there today. In Rochester, um, if you're in Rochester. Yep, here in Rochester. And um, we were there today. And one of the moms that came, she was new. And she, and this kills me because the moms that come in with stories where they maybe, you know, manage to find themselves some help are the women that are very educated with where the help is, you know? Not right. And this woman happened to be a social worker and very vocal about, you know, in her history and very vocal about being able to get herself help and knowing when she needed it. She goes, I went to my pediatrician appointment. She goes, they handed me one of those, um, you know, questionnaires that's supposed to screen you on where you are postpartum when your baby's like two weeks old or whatever. And she goes, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way I'm filling this out. Shoved it in my baby bag. Mm-hmm. Nobody asked for it. Nobody said, did you fill that out? Mm-hmm. He, the doctor came, the pediatrician came in. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. No questions asked. No, nothing. Oh. Shoved the paper in her bag. Nobody even asked her if she filled it out. It's like, if you're not going to, I'm glad that they handed out the, the screening paper, but if you're not going to follow it up, then what good is it? Then you wasted paper. You killed some trees. <laughs> Congratulations. Right. And this is what, like, if she's, and then she said that there's, there is a clinic here that's supposed to, like, do some postpartum, it's like a consult, postpartum consult. Mm-hmm. But they work, like, six days a month or something there. And she goes, I called every day and left voicemails day, like daily for a week or two before I finally got a call back. And it was, she goes, they were guilt messages. She goes, and I said, even on their voicemail, um, it's really disappointing that a woman in trauma cannot get a call back from the, the crisis place that's supposed to be helping her. Yeah. And so, right. And so let's, you know, and we can take a big step back and say, what kind of resources does this, does this center have? What kind of funding are we giving to this kind of thing? Right. You know what I mean? Like we don't have any from the top. There's no support for parents at all, especially in postpartum. It's completely like wide open blank space. Then any kind of, you know, any kind of thing that's, you know, any kind of initiative, like let's, let's, you know, get some people together and try to have, try to get some money to create, you know, a, 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 a center in this town to help moms. And then it's got no money. Mm-hmm. There's nobody there to check the messages. You know, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have checked the messages. I'm just saying there's a bigger, you know, you can step all the way back and see this as like a huge cultural problem. Oh my God. There's so many holes in the system. Know, there's so, yeah, there's so many holes and like, no, there's no, and, and let's face it. Money is what makes things successful and mm-hmm. nobody is going to put money into this kind of thing. 
And it really, like, if you look at the histories, and one of the other problems, too, of, like, like you just said, like, in the bigger picture of things, mm -hmm. you know, I like to look at the history of the mom. I like to look at what's happening. I want to know what happened in her birth, because if there is anxiety in, the, in her history, then that's going to mm -hmm. be something we need to look out for. If it was a traumatic yeah. birth experience, if something else is going on in her life that is going to cause chaos for her, which a lot of moms, we've talked about that before, women don't just have a baby. You have a baby and change jobs or deal with a death or you know, move or whatever. Like if there's other things happening, this is going to also cause some disruption for you. But yeah. a lot of times doctors are so busy that they're just popping in and out of rooms. Yeah. Right. In a 10 minute time slot or 15 minute time slot. And they barely know who their patients are right. because they don't and spend just, that kind of time. Yeah. And they're checking off a checklist. Right. You know, they're like, well, I got to check their weight. Got to check their heart rate. Like then on to the next one. Right. And sometimes they don't even look up and look at you. I know. They're just kind of typing because now everything's electronic. Yeah. So it's it's very frustrating. And a lot of women fall through the cracks. You know, a lot yeah. of women really fall through the cracks. And right. the other thing with that screening process is, you know, it's like they leave you to fill out this form of questions of how you feel. And you can very easily lie on that. If oh, you fill it out God. at all. Who doesn't I mean, lie to the doctor? How much do you drink? Yeah, two beers a month. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, you know, how many cigarettes do you smoke? Oh, no, I've never smoked. Like, right. you know, yeah, people are constantly lying on that. I did. I know. I did, too, all the time. Like, it just, they do it because they have to. But the other thing with it, too, it's like, okay, if you're going to hand it out, at least collect it. Yeah, but right. if you're going to collect it, you need to go over it with her. You need to, like, what if right. she marks, yes, I'm suicidal, and she right. left three hours ago, and they're yeah, finally and getting around to she thought that that it. was one way that she was going to get some attention, and right. then you didn't even look at it. Right. Okay, how about a word from our sponsor real quick? Today's episode is brought to you by Fairhaven Health. Are you suffering from sore or cracked nipples? You are not alone, and help is on the way. Milky's Nipple Nurture Balm is organic and lanolin-free, made with natural ingredients to heal, protect, and moisturize. It is safe for mom and baby, and there is no need to wipe it off before breastfeeding. Head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com for the link and use promo code BADASS for 10% off of everything at Fairhaven Health. Yeah, I, like I, mean, I remember... It. I don't know where to start with fixing it. Right, right. Well, we fix, we start by, you know, we can start, we're talking about it. Right. And, you know, I, and, you know, we talk about, I mean, there's, you know, we were talking about, you were talking about the, the social worker who, you know, had some sort of idea where to, where to get help. And, you know, we have varying degrees of that. There's a spectrum on that as well, where, you know, there's some people who don't even know, mm -hmm. that don't have any idea where to go. They don't have anybody, maybe they're, in a community that's got zero resources, you know, the place in, the place that they're bringing their baby, you know, is, you know, I don't know, maybe they're bringing the, into a walk-in clinic or something that's mobbed with people, you know, and they're barely being seen for more than five minutes. I mean, you know, these people are going to be going nearly completely unhelped. Right. And I, I, I'm a social worker. I, I was a mental health professional. I was a therapist. That be right before I quit my my job when I had Jack and I, I I don't I don't think I had clinical postpartum depression but I certainly have struggled with anxiety my whole life mm -hmm. and had a lot of anxiety when he was born and I was having early on especially like that first week was really bad it went on for a while I was having really bad intrusive thoughts yeah and after a few years years of 
the intrusive thoughts kind of went away, but you know, I was just in general kind of like struggling. I, I was yelling a lot. And I was like, I'm going to go see a counselor because I feel like I'm yelling a lot. I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. So this is like last year or the year before. So I went to this really nice um, therapist in my neighborhood. And I was talking to her about, you know, you know, oh, she was, she was like, tell me about your birth, tell me about your postpartum. And I was like, when I had a lot of intrusive thoughts, and she was like, oh, that's so common. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, I'm a clinician, and I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, granted, that was not at all my specialty. That's not, I didn't work at all with this population of people. Um, but I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I, and as, a, as a somebody who struggles with anxiety, I didn't even know. I didn't even necessarily know what was going on. You know, it, it, it really doesn't matter who you are. You know, you, when, you know, when mental health problems hit, they hit everybody. You know, that yeah. doesn't, they don't care who you are. No, no. They don't care that you're like, oh, I have, I've struggled, I, I'm an expert in anxiety. Anxiety's like, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> I'm moving in. And you know, one of the other things that, I have a couple of things to say about that. It's like yeah. that woman in my group today, she was also, I had mentioned that to her, like, you know where to go for this. Imagine being right. that mother that doesn't have yeah. that information. She's like, I know it's so scary. But she also said too, she goes, I am a very high functioning depressed person. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really good at hiding it. Uh, uh-huh. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of people out there that that's how it is. You're really yeah. good at, at putting up this charade that life is great with your newborn. And, it's not. No, but and I think on so many levels, with so, in so many groups of people in this country, that's what you're forced to do when it comes to mental health issues. Right. You know, you're forced to put on, to function, despite the mental health problems that you're having. Now, the intrusive thoughts, that came up one time in our group, and I can't, I can't remember, there was three or four moms sitting there, and it came up from one of the moms, and... The therapist that does the group with me, she was like, that's a very common thing. And, you know, just because it's there doesn't mean you're acting on it, but it is very common. And it just comes out Mm -hmm. of, you know, whatever she was talking about it. Like the other women in the group were like, oh, my God, yeah, I have the same thing. Like nobody wants to say anything because they feel like if they say to somebody, I had this vision of me dropping my baby down the stairs. Like Uh it's such a normal thing that happens. And it's so common it doesn't mean you're going to do it. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. But those thoughts just invade your brain space. They invade you know? your brain. They're called, they intrude. That's why mm-hmm. they're called intrusive thoughts. They walk right in and they don't care that you don't want them to be there. Right. And they're always scary because it's right. like, you know, they're kind of representing, you know, it's anxiety. That's yeah. what it is. It is anxiety. And it's representing all of this stuff that you're anxious about. I mean, I was having this, I was, in, I was, I was having intrusive thoughts about things that were literally physically impossible, you know, of like me having my baby laying on the ground and like a chair being put on him. Like how in the world, like that's not even possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, but it doesn't matter because it's, it's like, it's just the anxiety. It's totally and completely irrational. And you're also sleep deprived. So that's a huge chunk of it too. You know, that's yeah, and a you huge just had a baby. Your body went through all of this trauma. I was just talking. I was just emailing with a mom about about this. She, she was saying, you know, uh, you know, traumatic birth and, and whatever. And she was like, I had a home birth that was totally beautiful, and I feel like that the experience was traumatic too. 
like birth in general is like a trauma on your body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it means that you went through something really big that changes you. Yeah. You know, that there's, there's always something that's very heavy and very, um, you know, challenging and scary, you know, about birth. I think everybody it's needs a- therapy after that. I think so too. And we have this like, well, I had a home birth, so you know, you had the all natural, you're all this, and so you're fine. You're not gonna, you're not gonna suffer from that. That is not true. No. I mean, there, I think that there are situations that obviously put people at greater risk, but you know, in this day and age, I mean, everyone is going to struggle with something in the postpartum time. I mean, I, I had a mom today that you know went into hospital labor, and first baby went in in labor. The heart rate kept accelerating. She never even made it out of triage, and they put her under general anesthesia and did a C-section. And it's like, you don't even have time to process what's happening to you at that point. Like, it is really, and I've had moms that have very fast vaginal deliveries, and they still feel, and people are like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky, you went so quick. And it's like, no, "No, it's very traumatic. It's really scary. You're not even, you're pregnant one minute, and now you're not pregnant anymore. Like, you didn't even have time to get think about that like your brain didn't right. even process that yet the hormonal changes that are surging it's like you barely everything. went through the it's... process of labor yeah right you can't control any of this and it's it's okay like people say oh no i wasn't hurt or i didn't have you know 500 stitches and i didn't tear or my baby kept was with me so nothing was traumatic no that's not it's all right. in the eye of the beholder if you feel like you know i had one mom today say i really felt like i wasn't heard and that to me was very traumatic. I'm like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we talk about this in our episode, birth, you know, um, what is it? Birth trauma. We have a whole episode on birth trauma, which you should check out. And, you know, we talk about this, you know, I was afraid. I never used the word trauma when I talked about my first um, birth experience. I thought that was disrespectful for to people who had, like, lost children in labor or had gone through these, you know, like these, these you know, these very big things. It took me a really long time to be like, wait a minute, that was actually traumatic. You know, that was a traumatic experience. And, you know, that's another thing that we're just like, we're afraid to talk about and we're afraid to, we're afraid to kind of own that. It's so, it's so normalized. It is. It is so normalized. And we, you know, we kind of talked about that in the group today because that mom that had her baby that was taken away while she was in the bathroom. Yeah. She was also saying that she had, um, the cord had detached from her placenta and the midwife had to go in and get her placenta. Oh my God. So, and she said, oh. as the midwife is in there trying to detach her placenta from her uterus. So she's like up to her elbow. Oh and my mother, God. That then the midwife was like, oh, and your cervix is starting to close around my arm. <laughs> So, and then this mama says to me, overall, I had a really great experience. And I'm like, I'm traumatized by what you're telling me. Like, I don't, how do we say that this is a good experience? Because after all that, and then they take your baby and then your baby separated from you for a couple days. And then your baby comes back and he's screaming and he's not Mm -hmm. latching and they send you home like that. Like, no, I know. Like, this is not a good experience, but people look at it as like, well, me and my baby are both alive. It was a good experience. Yes, no, well, it's I, not. I don't, yeah, I don't know what everybody else was thinking, but I honestly, I felt like I was taking something away from other women. I didn't rate up there with all the other women who are having real trauma. You know, like this didn't oh, rate no. as no. bad enough to call trauma. 
Does that make sense? It doesn't it does. make any sense. But. No, I mean, I, I get what you're talking about because you do. We feel like it has to be something so much worse. But it, it is like, bad. Like trauma it's could bad. happen to me, you know, like that happens to other people or something, you know. Or maybe it's just that we don't want to admit that this actually happened to us. Right. Yeah. You know, right. like, oh, that's not traumatic. That's not traumatic enough because right. there's no way that I could have experienced something that was traumatic. It's just not yeah. in the makeup. Right. You know, I wasn't raised right. to see trauma. It doesn't happen. Right. And so we talk about how do we com- combat this? And I think a great way is just opening up about it. And that's what Serena Williams did. Oh, my God. In yeah. this great post that Diane shared with me earlier where she's talking about how she felt like a bad mom and how I don't have the article in front of me, but she was, yeah, she was saying that she felt like a bad mom. And even though she was with her daughter all the time, she still just felt like she was not good enough, you know, not a good enough mom. And I think it's a great, it's a very powerful statement. And then she like went off to be like, you are mamas, you are doing a wonderful job. You're amazing. You know, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really powerful because she is somebody who probably is being pulled in so many directions and has to put up this great front of everything is magical. Right. And, um, it's not. And I think it's a great, great role model for new mothers to see that everybody has to deal with this. It's hard. Right. And again, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't. It does you know, not matter. You, everybody is a human being that has mental health, that has a brain yeah. <laughs> and emotions. And so, therefore, they can be affected and will be affected. And then, and Serena had even said in her, you know, in her, this article that, well, I heard that this could affect mothers for up to three years after they have yeah. their baby. Right. So, she started learning about it. Yeah. And it's just, it's, and, uh, you know, I get upset that, okay, uh, you know, superstar athlete brings us to the forefront and I think that's fantastic but it shouldn't have taken that you know what I mean like it should be there anyway it should be there anyway I'll have to see if we can link that on our website because that was a really powerful article yeah we can yeah 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 see that that's a great idea yeah it was really good and I'm I'm so grateful that she's taking those steps to say that because it is really hard to say you know what I'm really struggling with this motherhood thing I really don't feel good I don't feel like I can do this it's really hard yeah. I don't feel adequate. I feel like I'm letting my child down. I don't feel adequate as a parent. And who hasn't felt like that at some point or another? Right. That's a totally normal feeling. Mm-hmm. And for everybody, if you are struggling, reach out to somebody. And you know, we've spent the whole time talking about how people are not responding to people who reach out. Um, there are some great, like... Postpartum Support International, PSI, they are really, really great for resources. Okay, so, maybe we can um, put, let's put that on our website, too. Yeah, I'll put that on our website, and I'll get a couple other resources, too, that I can put up, because um, there are some really great things. And you know what? If you're a mama that's been through it, talk talk with other mothers, you know, like just really talk to them and, and make sure that they know it's a safe place to, safe to talk about, because we need it. Yeah. We need people to normalize yeah. this. Post about it. Post about it on Facebook so your friends can see, or Instagram or whatever. Just you know, just to kind of let people know that. I mean, if you want to, if you're not comfortable, then don't. But if you are looking for ways to like just normalize something, then consider talking about it when you're with other people. Or like I said, social media is a good place to just put stuff out there yeah. that other people can relate to. But you know, and we've talked about like activism and stuff. We had that one episode that we did on um, 
like getting involved. And I've known some mothers that really struggled a lot with their own postpartum problems that they went into advocacy and trying to make a difference and setting up, you know, call stations or warm lines or whatever and, and having, you know, just getting some help out there, resources, getting a resource list, something. Right. If we want to see this change, we're going to have to do it ourselves because it's not coming from anywhere else. And the changes that are happening and will happen will come from this community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're badass, right? Right. <laughs> and you all are too. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. All of us, our community. We're a badass right. community. The whole, yeah. Yes, yes, badass moms. Yeah. And parents, badass parents. Gosh, totally. But yeah, that's, so it's kind of like in a nutshell. There's so much more to talk about. But, I know. Um, this is such an amazing episode. I feel like we have to do part two at some point down the line. I know. We should probably at some point. We will. Yeah. Um, I could spend the whole time just telling stories. Poor mom. But uh, yeah, I'm sure. And our own, I mean, just even our own stories. But, um, right. but yeah, so it's really powerful. And I hope you know, this helps somebody that's listening or, yeah. you know, we'll get some resources out there too. Yeah. At least get a start if you were looking for resources or even to pass it along to somebody else that you might know. Mm-hmm. That's always a good so please leave us a review on iTunes if you can. We really appreciate that. It helps to get this into um, more people's visibility. And head over to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com for our sponsor links and for other episodes and for all of the resources that we talked about today that can help you and your uh, parent friends out. Yeah. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.